What's up, posers or possessors? <laughs> Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod. I'm your co-host, Justin Hensley. Or, uh, oh man, we should have thought up Simpsons names. Oh, gut busting Grinsley. I'm Dylan Demon Boy Hensley. <laughs> I mean, it's killing Hensley, really. Yeah. <laughs> De- Demon Boy is my is my classic uh, nickname because I. <laughs> Wore all black to Wednesday church one time. I wore a black shirt and black jeans, and my cousin called me Demon Boy. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> oh, welcome to our first of three Halloween spooktaculars for 2023. First of three. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. The gimmick that we instigated year one, like, we had done like 10 episodes and we were like, let's do a gimmick. Not even 10. I think it was like we did seven episodes and we we're like, let's do four weeks of horror themed episodes. And we did it the following year. And then I think we did like this super truncated, like maybe like two years in a row. We only did like one or two things like that. We Or we forgot to do it one year and we we're like, oh, I guess we could do something like kind of spooky. <laughs> But uh, yeah, this year we're doing it kind of in line with our like season format that we we introduced earlier this year, much like our Scoggist. This is a theme where we talk about horror punk slash death rock, psychobilly and gothic rock exclusively for you know three weeks. So we we break it down by each of those subgenres and. Before we get into which subgenre you selected and what album we're going to talk about today, if you want more spooky material, head on over to our Patreon, patreon.com slash punklottopod. For $1, you get access to all of our weekly bonus audio, videos, blog posts, everything. There's some like 200 posts over there on the Patreon. And last week, we did a Master Punk Theater where we discussed the 1996 horror teen drama, The Craft. Yes, the craft. Really fun. It was. I'm. I enjoyed watching that movie. My wife said I really liked watching that movie the day after watching it. So it made a pretty <laughs> big impression on the Hensley household. <laughs> uh, and this Hensley household, my wife has been a longtime fan of this movie. So it was an easy. You want to watch this? And she's like, Yes, I'm going to bed now, but leave it on. So. <laughs> She, I'm sure she had wonderful dreams of casting spells, <laughs> but neither of us had ever seen the movie before, meaning you, you and me, Dylan and I. So it was uh, nice to get kind of a big, big movie for, is it for our generation? I guess kind of. Yeah. Came yeah. Out in yeah. Yeah. Our generation and like the youngest uh, Gen Xers probably. Yeah. But yeah, you get that along with any other movie reviews we've ever done under the Master Punk Theater. And if you want to get spooky, uh, there's our Return of the Living Dead review that we did over there. And you could check that one out. We also I actually just listened to a podcast about that exact movie and its soundtrack this week. Another podcast. And uh, yeah, it I just got me thinking about that movie. I'm like, man, that is a fun movie. It's a really good movie. And the soundtrack kicks ass. Have we done any other horror movies like that for Master Punk Theater? Uh, well, not 
not a horror movie, but we did Repo Man. That's yeah, that's at least uh, related. Yeah, more sci-fi um, than horror, but still has some like thriller elements to it. Yeah, yeah, not seasonally uh, locked or anything. Like, yeah, no, we haven't done any other. I can't think of any other horror movies that we've done. Yeah, I'm doing a quick, quick glance over at our Patreon. There's actually this Patreon allows us to col- do collections. And what I've done is I've collected all of our uh, gimmicks together. So if you wanted to see or hear all of the Master Punk theaters we recorded, they're together there under that collection tab. But yeah, you're right. I'm not seeing anything else that's like really horror-y. Because we did like two, we've done a couple documentaries and then a couple more like comedy type things. But uh, yeah, dudes, yeah, yeah. It's like dudes yeah. is kind of like it's got a it's got a thriller skeleton around it. But yeah, well, yeah we haven't done Green Room, but and even that's not even like an October horror movie. Like that's a <laughs> thriller you can watch anytime. Yeah. So if you want to check out more, that's patreon.com slash punk pod. And yeah, Which, we should do green room for a, a, a master punk theater. That's one we haven't done. Um, yeah, they uh, I we uh, I just saw on TV that the movies network that I leave our TV on like 24 uh, seven with the volume down was showing class of 1984. Uh, I thought about that one. There's what class of Newcomb High is another one. And then even like surf Nazis must die is supposed to be. Yeah, kind of punky. I did. I specifically looked up like punk horror movies, and every article like lists the exact same like ten movies. But and they include like Repo Man too. So even those like lists are like reaching for like another horror movie <laughs> to yeah. put in there. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Green Room is like probably the actual best horror movie, like critic most critically acclaimed horror movie with uh punk as its like main focus. I haven't watched it since the first time I watched it and uh, really? Yeah. I've only seen it the one time you've only watched green room one time. I've watched yeah, that I, like I watched that twice in the same week. <laughs> I mean, I worked at the movie theater when that came out, so I saw it for free, but no. that was, yeah, I saw it twice. I probably saw it like less than two days apart. Two times. I think um, I own it on Blu-ray too. Even <laughs> yeah, I own it. I've watched it on Blu-ray I at, I at least once. Uh, yeah, love that I have movie. the Blu-ray copy right here, and uh, there's a Nazi Patrick Stewart right there looking at you. But yeah, uh, yeah, I haven't watched it more than the one time, which still wrapped, so it means I didn't watch this copy. Uh, so <laughs> I watched, I think I got it from like Redbox or something. Uh, but yeah, yeah, we should do that one at some point. Um, good movie, gruesome, uh, <laughs> very violent film, but it's good. It's really well done. So, oh, does that director? I meant to look him up. Does he have another? He has something coming out soon. Jeremy Solnier. He did Blue Ruin. I haven't seen that one. Um, I didn't like that one that much. Oh, weirdly, he did uh, two episodes of the third season of uh, True Detective. That's interesting. So he's Hold got the something. Dark came out in 2018. That's the only other thing I see. That's a pretty good one, too. I didn't see that um, one. So Reb, he has a movie called Rebel Ridge coming out. It's a high velocity thriller that explores sy- systemic American injustices through bone breaking action sequences, suspense and dark humor. So he's like, you know what? I'm gonna make another green room. It's really yeah. what that reads like. Uh, then he's got another one in development called The Defection. But that's that's all that is known about that one. Uh, he also is a producer. I wonder, has he produced anything? No, he did. He 
no. He produced something in 2007. So, uh, Rebel Ridge will have Don Johnson. In Interesting. Um, uh, he is a producer on something called The Order, which is a series of bank robberies and a car heist frightened communities throughout the Pacific Northwest. A lone FBI agent believes the crimes were not uh, not work of traditional financially motivated criminals, but a group of dangerous domestic terrorists, which this stars Nicholas Holt and Jude Law and Ty Sheridan and Journey Smollett and Mark Marin. Interesting. So he's got a producer credit coming out soon, but he didn't direct that one. But anyway, this is not. <laughs> well, we got some Master Punk Theater ideas in the future, but let's get into our Halloween spooktacular. So I I left it up to you to be like, which genre do you want to tackle for your selection? And I kind of assumed you were going to go this way, but you selected Psychobilly. I did. So my reasoning for selecting Psychobilly, uh, I don't remember if I said this at the end of the last episode, if we decided that on air, or if that was after. Uh, but I can repeat it here. It's the um, it's the dark alternate timeline where <laughs> I go down the rockabilly path. Uh, evil villain, <laughs> as I call him. If you instead were a true of, demon boy, you <laughs> instead of my adjacent broadly vintage wearing late sixties muscle car driving, <laughs> <laughs> not rockabilly listening. But classic country fan, it's the good version. It's the good version of Rockabilly. It's where you're like, I'm not wearing a costume, and I like things because I just like them, not because <laughs> it fits a weird little gimmick that I need to perform daily. <laughs> it's not nearly as much of a subculture that you're, like, steeped in. Yeah. Because you really, the only jobs you would be allowed to have is tattoo artist or hairstylist, so... Yeah. Barber, you know, or I guess you're allowed to be a mechanic, too. You can. Yeah. Yeah. Work on yeah, yeah. Classic muscle cars. For sure. You can be a mechanic. You're just doing oil changes all the time and you got your tattoos and your pompadour. <laughs> so uh, psychobilly is a genre that is credited to being created by the cramps. And they're like, wait, what? No, don't give us that tag. <laughs> no. <laughs> Refuse that term over the years. Maybe they weren't they weren't so much like against the term, but they were just more against the like, oh, man, look at these clowns <laughs> coming from people who wear costumes ah, literally stole all the time. Our, they stole our bit and they're doing it so poorly. <laughs> but most, I guess, who are the like, if we're going to say a psychobilly band, it's the Necromantics, it's Tiger Army. Uh, who's big in that? Reverend Horton Heat, I guess. But he's yeah, like see, so different he, from them. He's so Texan. He's so like he's so much more a part of the like the Southern culture on the skids, retro rock, yeah, kind of thing. The the just generally even like Smash Mouth is kind of in the same category as a Reverend Horton Heat. I mean, technically <laughs> speaking, yes, Reverend Horton Heat is psychobilly because it is rockabilly with like a gimmick i guess i don't know i feel like you can't really play rockabilly without doing the whole thing yeah without i guess like there's a difference in like you're just a rockabilly artist versus a psychobilly artist because like the psychobillies tend to include very specific things like 
their hair and makeup is like done in very specific ways. Whereas with rockabilly, you're kind of allowed to just have any kind of hair you want. Like you don't have to go for like the pompadours and the, or like the Brian sets are like curly boof in the front of the head, you know, like (laughs) the teddies. Yeah. The teddy look like I've definitely seen like pictures of rockabilly bands where they all just have like normal hair, short hair. Psychabillies though, it feels like you have to be like, no, I got to do the thing. I got to have the flat top. Or a devil lock. That's the Tiger Army take on it, right? And their tattoos feel... Rockabilly guys feel like they're allowed to just get typical shitty tattoos. Like the the Lucero also went up with bad tattoos. But the Psychobillies are like, well, we gotta get coffins and spider webs and skulls. Lots of skulls. Uh, yeah. Cars. It's just very, like, a set of rules. Like, you gotta do these things. Whereas Rockabilly guys can be like, I got a shitty uh, lipstick tattoo and I got a gun tattoo in my waistline. So it looks like I'm always carrying a gun. Like, <laughs> yeah, just like general Sailor Jerry classic tattooing, you know, very flash driven based, <laughs> not as much neo traditional, much, much more just like picking it straight off the wall. But uh, less uh, less emphasis on the horror angle, you know. Yeah, psychobillies have to wear black. You know, black. they they kind of share. You know, they kind of share the the uh, the cobwebs and biker dust. I feel like that's appropriate space filler on both sides. But yeah, psychobilly so um so fixated on so fixated on being a caricature. Yeah, they definitely feel more like a caricature than just rockabilly artists. Because I, I don't think of like I mean I guess they're rockabilly people. I feel like the psychobilly people are a little bit more their their shit looks too clean. I think that's how the difference between like a rockabilly and a psychobilly is the psychobilly stuff looks like, oh, that's new denim. Like <laughs> it's very black, very new. It hasn't been faded by washing. Yeah. I mean, well, there's, you know, there's stage clothes and then there's like the fan base. There's, I feel like even the fan base is like wearing stuff they just okay. bought. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the rockabilly subculture, the pinup. You know, like the pinup repro brand subculture, like not as much of a thing anymore, but was pretty strong for a while. There was a lot, there was a lot of new stuff, people buying new clothes. And, you know, it also depends on and in both of these genres. This is more so uh, in rockabilly. You have the women who are into it are like super into it and they're like immaculate and super detailed the guys who are into rockabilly you have more of the well my wife likes this rockabilly stuff so i do too (laughs) kind of guys in there psychobilly there's a little more buy-in on both you know men and women uh, other people that participate in that subculture they're like yeah 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 i got i got the black i got the black jeans the black shoes i got the leather jacket i got i got all the tattoos (laughs) <laughs> in like a year because <laughs> yeah. you can't show up with patchy tat, you know a handful of tattoos you gotta go you gotta be covered <laughs> so uh, i thought what we would do is before we get into the record is that we would take a look at the other spooky music going on around the same time as our album we're talking about today so the album we're talking about today was released in 2004 so we went to the old rate your music charts and pulled up any 2004 albums that fall under horror punk, death rock, psychobilly, and gothic rock, just to see what we're kind of dealing with as a genre or as for 
distinct different genres <laughs> really is what it is but around the same time right off the top we we we've definitely come to the conclusion that gothic rock is the accepted version of all these genres like the most widely accepted version of all these genres it's the one that most people listen to and it's the one that most people listen to the music from that are not like part of the subculture because the cure released a self-titled record that year that's the one with like the drawing on a piece of paper cover um it's really bad it's the worst the more i look at it the worse it is it's terrible cover people like late cure i've never heard any late cure that i actually cared about like mid 90s and beyond that i never really cared about but people like the cure i guess this is interesting this list includes a perfect circle is it though is it goth it's uh it's in the secondary tags um as far <laughs> as like the things that are like primarily gothic rock 69 eyes oof oof that feels <laughs> like a that's a little more of a of a subculture pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you got some, but you got kind of like your gothic metal. There's a, uh, a Lake of Tears record. Yeah. Um, gothic metal is also its own whole thing too. Like it really is. Uh, the same year we have Tiger Army Three, Ghost Tigers Rise. This is their uh, third album. Duh. But uh, Tiger Army really feel like they were the last new band allowed to be added to like the psychobilly like catalog that anyone outside of psychobilly knows anything about (laughs) like and they're still big yeah they're so i don't know if this is just like a an la thing but they played they recently played here at the hollywood palladium which is where i saw jawbreaker and the gaslight anthem pretty substantial venue pretty big like I when I saw that they were on the marquee, I was like, Tiger Army is playing to that many people. <laughs> They're big, weirdly still around, still going. It might be one of the only ones. The, it's interesting. So as much as like Throck is the the more accessible uh, genre that we're limiting to uh, this time of year, 2004 is a, a pretty big year for Psychobilly specifically because we're it's the album that we're talking about the tiger army record there's a reverend horton heat record there is a necromantics record there's a the legendary shack shakers record there's a southern culture on the skids record <laughs> yeah it's funny like i was thinking i was like where are the goth bands and then i was i guess it's it's kind of true like i feel like goth didn't really become a thing the goth rock didn't get big again until like the 2010s maybe because it all the all the like emo bands at the time were like lifting the cure in there yeah (laughs) there's stuff at this point like you have your like my chemical romance aiden you know taking those goth aesthetics and applying it to like the emo screamo post-hardcore stuff you have your Uh, afi still yeah i think the I think the true goth subculture went a little more underground during this time period. It's much more into like dark wave, deeper into industrial, like fairly, like really obscure industrial because it had just been so mainstream in the 90s. Yeah, it it goes back. It goes back underground for a while. It has its like kind of big mainstream aesthetic is carried on 
Uh, but as far as like a continuation of the subculture, and this is a less, much less active time period for goth rock. Uh, and and then then there's like weird death rock stuff that I've absolutely never heard of, which is the majority of death rock. So <laughs> yeah, death rock is a, as a genre is like weird as shit. It's just like it means a lot of different things, and it's not clear what makes something actually death rock. And it's like bands you've never heard of for the most part. It's a it's very underrepresented. I think also a genre where there's like there's like the 80s death rock sound. And then there's a lot of horror punk bands that are maybe more in line with like Sam Hain that people call death rock. Yeah, I think Which death rock really is a is genre. Think, <laughs> yeah, I think death rock is a genre that gets mislabeled often. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like scrolling just to see like what else even like jumps out, like the deeper cut stuff. Like you got a Meteors record, you got an unknown Henson record. Yeah. yeah. Well, you mentioned Aiden earlier too. He's another yuck. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we've got the Phenomenots. <laughs> they're borderline. They're like sci-fi theme rockabilly. Yeah. Uh, which that's a good uh good talking point here this is that time period gimmick punk gimmick punks yeah yeah it is that era is i mean i guess ultimately psychobilly is gimmick punks horror punk is gimmick punks like it, it go is that the first gimmick punk stuff i guess cow punk is one of the first gimmick yeah. punks too yeah but i think it's the misfits kind of predate a lot of the bigger cow punk bands but yeah it's uh yeah it's funny all gimmicks. Yeah, I do. I do think this is a specific time period where it's just like, I think Psychobillies were like the dominant of these type of bands at the moment, because why? Why was that one still so big at this point? Is it just purely because of like Hellcat records and like it's interesting. Uh, it seems like there was a it's a post swing revival ska boom period of deeply subcultured punk with for some reason psychobilly being the the next one to have its cultural moment because i feel like psychobilly really doesn't like you can name psychobilly stuff like but i feel like you're stretching it a lot you're having to be like the stray cats and <laughs> even like the meteors you know like who else? Guanabats. Yeah, like Guanabats <laughs> and Batmobile. We've talked about Batmobile. But those feel more 80s, 90s. And even then, while they guess they fall under that psychobilly category, but they feel more just like rockabilly bands. Yeah. In it's the way that Reverend Horton Heat feels more like a rockabilly band. Yeah. It's very scattered. And there's there's very few bands that are doing the full on like cramps, like horror aesthetic until post swing revival yeah yeah but there there was a little blip of psychobilly kind of being big and 2004 i think might have been like the biggest the biggest the blip ever got or just during this time period and our our album is probably one of the biggest that fit in that that specific sound so let's get into the record yeah so uh, I, you were just going to look for a Psychobilly record for us to talk about. And you sent me, there it is, and just a link to the album. And it is 
Hell Yeah by the Horror Pops. Copenhagen, Denmark. They formed in 1996, and this is their debut full-length album, released February 10th, 2004, on Hellcat Records. And we already mentioned it, but it's the same year. On Hellcat Records, The Necromantics, Dead Girls Don't Cry, and Tiger Army 3. Also, Lars Fredrickson and the Bastards album, Viking. Lars Fredrickson feels psychobilly adjacent, too. (laughs) And the personnel on this record is Patricia Day on vocals and double bass, Niedermeyer on drums, Karsten on guitar, Kim Necroman on guitar, and Kaz the Clash on rhythm guitar. And yeah, so let's let's hit a couple of those things really quick first. Let's go in order. Formed in 1996, and they don't get their debut album out until 2004. So the way the band formed... Uh, it is when Patricia Day's band, Peanut Pump Gun, har- horrible name, opened for the Necromantics at some festival in Denmark. She met Kim Necroman, and they like hit it off immediately. They became friends and decided to start a new band together where they swap instruments. So Patricia was playing guitar in Peanut Pump Gun, and Kim plays the double bass in the Necromantics. And so they were like, how about we start a band where we're not as comfortable with our instruments i guess is the <laughs> thinking behind that and so they they bring people in to play karsten and niedermeyer were both in a band called strawberry slaughterhouse and the group also features go-go dancers on stage camilla and millie who worked at the body piercing shop that patricia day also worked at of course she did <laughs> So, like, I was like, what? Why did they take so long between forming and putting anything out? Well, in 1999, they recorded a, it's supposed to be like a promo demo that they were meant to be, like, sending out to try and get signed. They recorded seven of the songs that are on this record. That demo leaked, and then two of the songs on that demo became, like, club hits in Denmark. Like, Danish club hits. Ghouls and Psycho Bitches is out of hell were like the two songs that they're like yeah these are smash hits in clubs in denmark <laughs> it's just like what why <laughs> what clubs and denmark they didn't act- allows them their citizens to do too many drugs <laughs> it, is that denmark it does that's netherlands that's the netherlands yeah i mean, always get those two confused the dutch and the danish they are slightly different though they are like neighbors so like i don't i don't know how they're not that different 
come come for me. Or Dutch Dance. and Danish lizards. We're gonna get we're gonna get hits and Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We always we're talking we never about the <laughs> pops. So uh yeah, Denmark. Uh Denmark's a weird country because it's like we're it's part of Scandinavia, but also it's like still attached to mainland Europe. <laughs> like it's funny. It's like are you really Scandinavian or you just want to be? <laughs> no, no, we had Vikings. We had Vikings. <laughs> All Germanic is what I'm getting at here. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't. Europe has this whole Scandinavian countries. The Scandinavian, it's the non-Germany Poland countries like the Scandinavian countries, Denmark, Holland, like. They all have this like weird fascination with uh, 50s American culture because it's a, it's a really big subculture in in like Sweden too where they just like they buy American like 50s maybe some early 60s American cars uh like rust as shit they just like get them running and they drive them around all over Sweden or whatever it's like it's really really into it really committed to like a bit as a lifestyle <laughs> I forget what that's called. There's a name for that subculture. Well, the, it, you get it in Asian countries, too. Like, <sighs> yeah, but see. Yeah, you do. But that also got imported real early. Like, Aleki, like, as a, you know, Japanese garage rock starts so early in the 60s, largely because they were just, I mean, they were just importing all kinds of shit from the U.S. because they could. But also they were, like, manufacturing a bunch of, st- of stuff, like. They started making cheap guitars and, and to be sold in uh, department stores in the U.S. because everyone was like, well, guitars are it now. Oh, and America was also like occupying a shitload of like Asian countries, too, yeah. at that time period. And so I don't I don't really know why. I guess you could know because not even then I was going to say like Americans didn't really occupy Europe that much that as long as they did in Asia. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they did in Germany, but that's it. Really? Yeah. So is it just like stuff is getting out of Germany and maybe that's why that kind of it's getting imported over there and then it's being exported out of Germany into the other like countries in that area? That's I don't the know. thing, though, is like I don't think that Germany has a big like 50s scene. Like yeah. I don't think of a German psychobilly scene. Not really. There probably is one, but it's not like it's probably more derivative of the Danish ones. You know, I don't yeah. know. This yeah. isn't necessarily meant to be, uh, you know, a history of psychobilly. And if there's somebody out there who can <laughs> connect the dots for me a little better. But I've always struggled with it. I'm just like, this seems very I mean, for really for one, like it just seems so anti-European to be interested in old American culture, like yeah. to be interested in American culture in general. Though, to be fair, there's people here still obsessed with 50s American culture. So, like, you know. Yeah. It's a thing. Uh, it makes sense here because it's at least like, well, you know, it's what my grandpa had. Yeah. The rock rock and roll cafes. I guess we don't have nearly as many of those as we used to. Around here, it's just like Highway 55 diners. Like, that's that's all we have now that kind of fits that. Uh, the Betty Boopification of uh, <laughs> 50s diners. The pink Cadillacing of. Uh... <laughs> yeah. So, okay. What is it about this album that made you go, there it is, hell yeah, let's do hell yeah? So I wanted to do, was, I was looking at the Psychobilly stuff, I went ahead just for the, the sake of 
retracing my thought process when you pull up psychobilly and rate your music you get a lot of stuff that i don't call psychobilly but i understand why it's subgenre type you know secondary tag psychobilly i'm not going to do a gun club record i would rather talk about a gun club record any other time of the year i'm not going to put them into that corner because they're a bigger band than that uh there's like x stuff on here um we've talked about the cramps so I, it felt like let's not do the cramps again um a lot of other stuff like seemed like it might be it's psychobelly was more secondary to it being primarily like a garage punky kind of thing we've talked about reverend horton heat re- recently yeah we did that one outside of uh, the uh Halloween spectacular too I briefly considered the Flesh Eaters, uh, but again, it felt like Punk Blues Garage Punk. It's bigger. Like they have kind of a they have the horror aesthetic that puts them closer to Psychobilly, but musically, it felt like they're something bigger than Psychobilly. It's a lot of Cramps records. (laughs) (laughs) When you're looking at what's popular on here, most of it is Cramps records, and then like weirdly stuff I don't know, like the Coffin Shakers, like slightly newer stuff yeah this one i want to say it's second page and that's where it got i was like okay tiger army mm, maybe there's a couple tiger armies and then i saw that horror pops record album cover and i was just like i know at least half of that record already <laughs> because we had it yeah on your itunes and Let's so i was like <laughs> uh, well for pushing me over like i was like all right this is a significant record within psychobilly if it's within a certain bubble like a certain time period of psychobilly that i think is interesting to talk about which we've talked about a lot already and we have personal history with it so let's get into the personal history (laughs) yeah so for some reason i racked my brain trying to remember like where i heard them first or why i heard them i have no idea I have no idea. I cannot figure out like where I saw them or heard them or anything. My guess is maybe I saw a video or something. I don't know. Were you like exploring Hellcat Records? Hmm. That could be it. I could see it being on a download uh, thread and a message board too, maybe. Yeah, I could see that. It was. I feel like I cannot figure out where I first even heard them. Like, I just don't even know, like, what I... So maybe you're right. Maybe I heard a compilation. Because when I would have heard them would have been probably 2005 or 2006, which it would have been right after the first and second Horror Pops albums. So, Uh, yeah. Maybe some some information that I can provide. My perspective from how I was introduced to them makes... Can connect the dots. My... My recollection of it was I remember it being in your iTunes. I remember this being after you had gone to college and I associate this with a lot of the music that you listened to with your girlfriend at the time, your freshman year college girlfriend. But no, I gave this band to her. So I had it before her. So like, I can't even figure out like I really am just like, and maybe it was on like a give them the boot comp because I've definitely listened to one of those in college. Maybe, maybe I was like looking up Reverend Horton Heat because I did know Reverend Horton Heat by this point. 
I maybe from the maybe just from the misfits because it would have been like devouring everything misfits around this time period too. So you're right. It could just been like a message board thing or a the blog universe thing. Wanted you to find the horror pops. They wanted me to find the horror pops and listen to four to six of these songs <laughs> only, not the whole album. <laughs> thing i was thinking was this a uh these were the only songs that someone at your school had in their itunes library or was this a handful of songs that you that you took from what was the shitty peer-to-peer that you used aries aries yeah because they had blocked kazaa and limewire at the school and it's very funny. Uh, <laughs> there's a guy there who went, I went to school with. His name is Jonathan Ammons. He's a musician, too. That's why I specifically mentioned his name. He has he's been putting out music for like 20 fucking years. Crazy stuff. <laughs> a lot of um, a lot of ambient. Yeah, a lot of electronic music, but like lots of other lots of other stuff, too. But w- we remember asking him, like, how do we download stuff? And he's like, I'll never tell. He used some software. Like we were like, we know LimeWire and Kazaa are blocked. What works? And he's like, I'm not gonna tell you because if I tell you, they'll figure it out. And I was like, and then like I had heard of Aries, and I was like, was it Aries? He's like, no, I don't use Aries. So <laughs> even he was like, that works, but no, it's not Aries. My Did guess he is he was using, I wonder if he was using Soulseek. Probably Soulseek. Um, still going. Was. Still works. Still the main way to get a lot of music. You can get everything. Yeah, still. On it, still. You gotta wait maybe a couple weeks if it's brand new, but if it's big enough, it might be there first week, but... It might be there early if it's big enough. Yeah. Um, Weird. Weird that it's still... It's torrenters who are using SoulSeek still, primarily, so... Torrenters are still out here. They're still torrenting everything. Movie, TV, music, they're torrenting it all still. Comics. But, um... I don't even have patience for it anymore. I don't so, want file management. Yeah. <laughs> Soul Seek's enough. It's pretty streamlined. Yeah. So I definitely downloaded it through Aries. But like I said, like, why would I have wanted to download it through Aries? It has to be like, like I said, it has to be like a message board or something. I heard a song, saw a video. We're still in MySpace era. Maybe somebody had it on their profile or something like that. And I was just like, that's pretty cool. And I threw their name into the Aries thing. And those are like the six songs that it, it pulled. And I liked them 
enough to listen to them and put on like burn CDs, but not enough to like listen to more by them. <laughs> yeah, we never we never made a point of downloading the rest of this album. I remember having this in your iTunes, having the album cover in your iTunes. We took the time <laughs> to go put the album cover in the iTunes library. Didn't didn't bother to download the rest of <laughs> the album because it was maybe it's because like one or two of those songs that was just like, that's fine. I don't love that song. And I was just like, if I only have six songs and don't love all of them, I, I'm not going to love every song on the LP. <laughs> I have probably listened to this album in full before this week because nothing on here sounded new to me like i feel like i'd heard everything on this record before maybe a couple times so like i probably eventually got around to it but never enough to like download it myself so maybe like streamed it on spotify in like 2016 or something like that i don't know i don't know why i would have listened to the whole thing but so okay horror pops are kind of are they like number three on the list or are they even higher for like the psychobilly from this like Hellcat, post-epitaph Hellcat era of Psychobilly. Hmm. I think we know now Tiger Army is, has the staying power, and people still like them. Yeah, Tiger Army is the one that has stuck. I think Necromantics being older, yeah. having, like, recorded putting stuff out from earlier on, because they formed in, like, 89. Yeah, Necromantics have been around forever. They were there for the first Psychobilly boom. <laughs> and then in the 90s. Because like yeah yeah then it is horror pop but there's two three horror pops records yeah there's only three three 2004 2005 and like 2008 and they were done though so, currently active yeah question mark they are active currently uh they had planned on doing like a re- reunion tour and then COVID happened. Part of it, too, though, is uh, Patricia Day was diagnosed with cancer. And so uh, one of the things they were just going to reunite and tour to, like, help fund that, because I guess Denmark doesn't have that doesn't seem right. Denmark doesn't have. Well, they're in. I think they're in L.A. now. Are they still in L.A.? Okay, that makes that makes sense. If they're living in the U.S., she's got probably illegally. (laughs) You think? (laughs) I don't I don't know. Europeans do that a lot. I wonder, just go back to Denmark and get your free health care. But I don't know. Maybe they're just like, hey, you haven't been paying taxes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know how that works. Yeah. You probably have to go like, well, you probably have to go like establish residency again for a certain period of time. Yeah. Like, we don't know if you're real, real Danes. <laughs> but, yeah. I don't know. But they wanted to fund it through re- doing a reunion and then someone set up a GoFundMe to help fund it during like the pandemic. And now they are playing shows. I don't know how recently they've played, but I genuinely when I read that, I was like, I need to look up and make sure she's OK real quick before <laughs> we do an episode on this. And she like posted like last month, like happy birthday to Niedermeyer because she's like s- super close with that guy still. So I was like, OK, OK, if you're still posting and you're probably all right. <laughs> so uh, yeah but it yeah i've not seen any like real updates on her but i think they played some shows too at the tail end of last year so but uh so yeah okay uh they are they're like one of the bigger ones they're one of the the last big ones to kind of be like added to the psychobilly canon which i feel like that genre is probably like starving for any new bands 
So that's why you'll always be like, I've never heard of most of these artists because they just will accept anyone into the ranks. Like, yeah, we're going to talk about you, random Los Angeles band that has two albums. 2023 Psychobilly albums. There's oh. a coffin. Uh, 2023. There's a Coffin Shakers record. Uh, there's a Reverend Horton Heat record. Uh, of course, there's something called Count Spookula that is <laughs> called Halloween music, rock and roll, rockabilly, musical comedy, psychobilly, horror punk, novelty, heavy metal. So that's <laughs> clearly just a joke project. And a Batmobile record. That's it. Those are your four. And then there's something called Robert's Laffit by Blue Dolphin that's primary post-punk garage punk with a psychobilly <laughs> uh, secondary. They are a Houston, Texas band. So, yeah, no new psychobilly, really. Man, if Batmobile is like, oh, thank God there's a new Batmobile album, you know, <laughs> with artwork that looks like a children's. <laughs> yeah. album. And Reverend Horton Heat, who's just like his own thing. So the really our only true one is the Coffin Shakers album. <laughs> I did not know there was a new Reverend Horton Heat album. And the Coffin Shakers are Swedish. Uh, of course they are. That, that uh, Reverend Horton Heat is called Roots of the Rev, Volume 1, which makes me think covers album. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Ready Teddy's on there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So this record in particular, what did you think of it? So when I put it on first song, my first note from this, for this record is I'm really annoyed that this is not bad. <laughs> like this is too enjoyable. Overall full runtime of the record doesn't hold up with the whole thing. 40 minutes. Way too long. It's too long. There's too much filler, forgettable material. There's too much. Honestly, there's too much deviation from the psychobilly genre. I can't believe that I want the psychobilly <laughs> genre to be so strict. But stay in your lane. <laughs> there's a random ska song on here that does nothing. And there's like some, you know, some surf stuff that I'm like, eh. I'm more interested in surf guitar being a little bit of a there. But there's like a full on bad miserloo like. <laughs> song yeah. on here. It's, this record has three guitarists and I'm like, well, one of them it's not his main instrument. So like <laughs> that's not a good sign. But yeah. But there's a lot of songs that are consistently enjoyable. And I'm the the things that kept me like most engaged for like half of the record, well immediately I was hit by a lot of the melodies remind me of like Adam Ant, weirdly. Very specifically, Adam Ant. Huh. I don't get that at all. But for most of the record, for like at least half of the record, I'm like, who does she sound like? It's driving me insane. She sounds exactly like someone else. And I'm like, it's not Gwen Stefani. It's not Gwen Stefani. Like, I know specifically it's not Gwen Stefani. I know you could make comparisons to her. Yeah. Like, that's probably there's, the most logical comparison. that There's similarities. The that she's gotten. I've seen that comparison. I'm like, who is it? Who? There's a tone to her voice, the melodies that she's singing, and then especially when you add in those harmonies. And then it hit me. I'm like, she sounds like Kate Pearson. Of the oh, yeah. Well, you like, know what I was thinking? I was doing the exact same thing in my head. I was like, who is this person she sounds identical to? And the closest I got was Brody from The Distillers. I got Brody... In the huskiness, which I was like, but that's Brody's so husky. And this isn't that. And Brody's not like 
melodically, she doesn't sing like this. But it's it's Kate Pearson. Like it's yeah, it is. It's Kate Pearson. Exactly. She doesn't have Kate Kate's Pearson. range that she has, but yeah. she's got her like her well, like she, bratty brash voice that when when Kate gets that low voice yeah. <laughs> in her, <laughs> it is. Which I was like, that's really cool. Like that actually like upped my enjoyment through most of the record. So like when she sounds the most like her, and especially when there's like a lot of like harmonies. I'm like, that's I like that. That sounds really cool. But it also made me like, why is Psychobilly such a joke to me? <laughs> but the B-52s absolutely works for how silly they are. Actually, they're sillier. Like they have these, yeah. like pure just like comedy songs in the B-52s. And this band, for the most part, is trying to write. I don't feel like they're writing comedy songs. They have funny lines or funny. That feels, though, more just like English isn't your first language. That's why it's kind of funny. But yeah. Yeah. But it's like and it sent me on like a whole like, why? When does it work? When is it not? Like, what are the qualities of psychobilly as a genre where so much of it doesn't work? I think a lot of it's a quality issue. I think also there's like a degree of like, self-awareness to like a b-52s or even like an aquabats if you want to go like in terms of like gimmicky goofy bands where like the b-52s are like it's camp like it's which also on a related note i was just thinking about how i don't think people understand what camp means anymore because (laughs) i feel like people want to use camp to describe things that are tacky but i'm like no but it's got to be tacky and gay (laughs) like, <laughs> camp is very gay like it's very queer culture like alternative 70s i mean 60s 70s which maybe that's just my own narrow like john waters well no because the definition in, of it in but. england camp is very gay too like it's still like it's still like when you say things are camp they're specifically referring to like the gay subculture elements of it so yeah Campy. I, I mean, I guess you can be like Batman and Robin is a campy TV show. It's like and still very homoerotic. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> yes, yeah, true. And I don't really think of that specifically. But yeah, <laughs> they they really had to make a point of getting putting women on that show. <laughs> you think people are mixing kitsch with camp? Is that what you think is happening? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like because there's definitely like the ugly side of kitsch of your uh fedora al from al's toy barn tiki <laughs> culture you know smash mouth but and even then kitsch though like i can still appreciate more than psychobilly there's too many hats on hats with psychobilly <laughs> yeah. well it's because you're going misfits but rockabilly is really what it's really how most people interpret psychobilly to be yeah they they're like Cred-wise, they're going to name drop the cramps, but they're not doing the cramps because the no. cramps, nobody sound like the cramps didn't do the double, you know, the upright double bass, you know, and like didn't have a bass at all for a very long period of their <laughs> discography. So like, yeah, none of these psychobilly bands are doing the cramps. The cramps are doing something so abrasive, even when I feel like even when I feel like they got more polished and focused as yeah. a band later, they still held on to an abrasiveness that they don't. I do well there's an abrasiveness to psychobilly but I don't think it's an intentional abrasiveness <laughs> I don't think it's a I want to use the most horrible sounding fuzz pedal that I can find it's 
how do I make this guitar amp sound good? <laughs> attention to this record and listening to it i was like man none of these people are good guitarists <laughs> like the guitar work is not very good on this record i think patricia pulled off the double bass better than uh kim pulled off the guitar they had to bring in their like guy who's like i guess that guy who played rhythm guitar was in the old lineup of the band because he was gone by the time they this record came out uh C- cash the clash or whatever his name was he's he's gone johnny clash um, Kaz, Kaz the Clash, he's gone by the time the record comes out, which maybe means he's just on the on the um, old songs, maybe because they just used those. Ver- they didn't re-record them for this record. They just used those tracks that they had <laughs> recorded and put them with these tracks, which they recorded the same place in L.A. So, yeah, I guess that was just them being like, OK. Let's go back to let's go back to our basement because I feel like that's what it is. If they if they named it, but it was just like it sounds like like the all these songs sound like they were recorded at the exact same time, but really they're five years apart, but they sound exactly the same. <laughs> I mean, that could be the mastering, I guess, but yeah, I would really like to, I would love to get like the full track list of the original. I don't know if I've seen that to see which ones are the let's see if I can pull that up to see which ones are the ones that they added later. Because I feel like listening to it, I can tell which ones are the ones they added later to fill it out. Because there are some songs on here I'm like, man, this is uh, not very good. (laughs) I really did not like Girl in a Cage. Is that the ska song you were talking about? I think so. It's got upstrokes. But my takeaway was just a nothing song. I did not like Cool Flat Top. Cool Cool Flat Top is one that we had. Yeah. And it's... It's been a running joke ever since then for us. <laughs> the reference that we're making. <laughs> yeah, not a very good song. Psycho Bitches Out of Hell is okay. <sighs> but it drags That one was them quickly. doing the cramps the most. Yeah. That was weird that that was like a club single. Strictly at Psychobilly Clubs, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Ghouls was the other one that was like part of that single. Uh, and that's like one of the better songs. Yeah. Dotted with Hearts is weird as shit, where they just are like, the guy's doing the Monster Mash guy voice, but he thinks he's doing Elvis. Dotted with Hearts, that song specifically, I was so frustrated with, because 
it's mostly great. It starts with a cool riff. It's got a super memorable chorus. The harmonies are beautiful. She sounds great on this song. Like it's one of the strongest songs on here. And then they absolutely threw it away with not just the the dumb talking bridge part, which was like, I get what why you're doing that. Like put that in in one of the dumber songs. Like it would have <laughs> <Yeah>. worked. <laughs> but it goes on too long. The song itself goes on too long, and then it again they botch the ending of it with the, yeah. like the you're doing the wrong. You're mixing outro. <laughs> Ah, you lost it. It started so good. <laughs> um, what's a baby Lou tattoo? Baby Lou tattoo. Baby Lou? I don't know. I, um, I that line just <laughs> made no sense to me. I think like, is this another just Danish? The only thing that comes up when I search for baby Lou is a Veggie Tales character, so I don't <laughs> think that's it. <laughs> baby Lou tattoo. That one annoyed me just because the way she <laughs> just did that song. I don't know. Um, and then you have the, the surf song at the end is not very good either. It's like, y'all are not good enough to do this. What's under my bed wasn't great either. The standouts to me, uh, mistake. That was like their single. Like they made the video for it. They played on Jimmy Kimmel. They played that song They're They were big enough to play on Jimmy Kimmel, but I will say it's Jimmy Kimmel in 2004. It's like. The other late night show that just started, it wasn't like an institution and it was on another network that's never had a late night show. And a lot of places didn't carry it because they would in Charlotte. They didn't carry Jimmy Kimmel for years. Yeah, I knew this because they would always be like, Chris Jericho is going to be on Jimmy Kimmel tonight. And I was like, what's a, how do you get that on ABC? And I'd be like, not our ABC. <laughs> um, Yeah, it's like Rocket from the Crypt being on what craig kilborn yeah right like it's not impressive yeah nobody cares so i like mistake i like where they wander that was a pretty fast fun catchy song i like that one with some woes um i thought emotional abuse had some like interesting playing on it as a little slower song but like i don't know that there was some like a stop start kind of guitar thing in that that i thought was unique which might just have been like wait I, how do i do this again really but julia's all right drama queen's pretty good like i get why i'm like yeah about six of these songs is worth listening to and not really worth going out of your way to listen to the rest of the record i assume the six that i had were the ones that well a lot of them were the ones i knew that i thought were still good but no i knew baby Lou tattoo and i did not really like that one again the ones i remember were julia I want to say drama queen mistake cool flat top psycho bitches out of hell. Those are the ones that I remember. Yeah. We, you maybe had baby Lou tattoo, but it didn't make an impression on me then. I did have some from the next record too. So, but I don't, I started to listen to that one and I'm like, man, this is not as good as the one before. And I don't know these as well. So I've made only been like one or two off that one, but. So the band doesn't record the record and the rest of the record until 2003. They play their record release show in Amoeba Records in 2004. <laughs> they were then supposed to follow that up with a tour of the U.S., but then got held up by immigration, just not allowed to do it. So they had to go back home. They were then able to join the offspring on a European tour with only three days notice. It was like they called them and said, hey, you want to do this? Which to me means... Somebody was supposed to come with them and uh, they couldn't get in. <laughs> and uh, so then they do that. 
And then they do their own little headlining tour of Europe. Then they come back to the States to play Jimmy Kimmel. And they're in the movie Punk Rock Holocaust, which Dylan and I actually discussed as our movie to do for uh, Master Punk Theater. I don't think I knew that they were in that movie and it kind of would have been fit a little bit more to do that one. But that's like a super low, low budget. Yeah, that's the the warp Tour uh, shot. Uh, it's all like shitty, uh, shitty digicam. Maybe not even digicam It's probably to tape to cassette tape. Um, extremely low budget non actors. <laughs> yeah, I think Steven from Steven's Untitled Rock Show is in there. Lots of bands from the Warp Tour. The Aquabats are in there. Horror Pops are in there. It's uh, it's on Internet Archive. So that one would have been more work to watch. Um, yeah. But clearly not for you, because you would have watched it on your phone screen in bed. <laughs> yeah. I can't believe that. Um, <laughs> I don't think we talked about that on the main show. <laughs> that's, on the, that's on the Patreon. <laughs> yeah. It's probably would not be an enjoyable movie. It'd be enjoyable to be like, Wow. They got those guys to be in it. Weird. Okay. But by the end of the year, both Millie and Karsten would quit the band. Millie, the go-go dancer, would quit the band because she went back to school. And Karsten quit the band because he like had a baby and was like, I want to stay home. And the Horror Pops want to tour way more than... I think that's why Millie quit, too, because like there's too much touring. Okay. It's, this is a bone I have to pick. They have a go-go dancer. Two. Two go-go dancers. But they're a 50s band. <laughs> You're getting your decades mixed up. <laughs> Go-Go is 60s. It's mod. It's soul. It's not rockabilly. <laughs> uh, Patricia and Kim are married. So they, they stuck it out. I think they're still together. There's like a picture of them together like last year. So I assume they're still good. Still together. Very little like sourcing on anything like that. In a little piece of... Uh, fun serendipitous timing uh zia records just reissued it with their own special color in july of this year <laughs> so people are thinking about this record again apparently zia does like special pressings of like super chalk records that they don't sell zio does special pressings of weird stuff i'm like y'all are only selling these online and in zia stores in arizona and nevada <laughs> And so I found I found two reviews researching for this that I, had some stuff in it that I like kind of wanted to bring up. So there's a punk news review from 04 that says this record will inevitably be ignored by image conscious indie snobs put off by the band's less than serious imagery. They'll go into this expecting some level of irony to justify the band's over the top visuals, but won't find it. However, artwork aside, hell yeah, is packed with so many infectious songwriting. With so much infectious songwriting that there's no need to fall back on the usual trappings of the psychobilly genre. A couple things there. The indie crowd is not going to care about this horror pops record. Not because they're like, it's not uh, ironic enough. It's like, <laughs> no, they just don't like it. Most people don't like it. <laughs> it's not a thing that people are into. But the uh, there's no need to fall back on the usual trappings of the psychobilly genre. I think it's got a lot of the trappings of the psychobilly genre. I don't know what you're talking about not having them. You hear that clicking bass? There's one. The unnecessary clicking bass. So I, on the on the clicking bass, I had to search why does psychobilly have clicking bass <laughs> again? Because I'm just like, what is it? 
<laughs> uh, How are you making it make that noise? <laughs> there is too much involved in in Psychobilly bass. Rockabilly too. Rockabilly does the clicking bass thing too. The Rockabilly revival stuff does a lot of the that. It's a callback to a lot of Rockabilly not necessarily having a drummer. So the bass player is overplaying and basically plucking the strings, making them slap against the neck, the neck to make it click. So you have a pronounced click, click, click meter. Like you have that timekeeping really pronounced from the bass. It just really latched onto that in the psychobilly. And there is, there's so much involved with like, you have an, you have the acoustic tone pickup. Like you have a pickup to get your good, like actual bass, fundamental acoustic tone, all of your harmonic overtones, the things that you want to hear from a bass, the point of playing a double bass. (laughs) (laughs) And then they also, most of them also play with what's called a clicky. There's a specific clicky pickup that is attached to the, I think usually the underside of the neck of the fretboard that it's not a fretboard because there's not frets on it, but you know what I mean? That extends past the neck over the body. So they like put that up underneath there just to pick up the click sound and then like have to like EQ it to get it the right frequency to where they want it to sound. It's like, this is too much work to make a sound that's not good. <laughs> that clicking thing too, like uh, in, in my like mixing classes that I've taken, like usually the, my instructor was like, throw a high pass filter on there. So you could take out any of the unnecessary kind of like room sounds out of it. And those clicks would have been gone. If you throw that high pass filter on there and take them out. <laughs> yeah. Like you're trying to get rid of like the like the shuffling of the feet or somebody like yeah. swaying like that's what that filter's supposed to do and that would cut the shit that would cut that out so much. <laughs> but also like the regular usual trappings of the psychobilly genre. What else are the usual trappings? Songs about flat tops. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What are the tapping trappings? Horror themes. They do that. Yeah, they're not like overtly horror-y, I guess. Not as much. So a little more downplayed. Though they are called the horror pops. Yeah, right. So it's there. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. This uh, Punk news doesn't pay their writers, so I guess that's why I'm, wor- I'm worrying about <laughs> too much. But on the other hand, there is an absolutely horrendous all music review that I just wanted to read some of the worst parts of. Because it's just like, you should not be reviewing this record, is how my takeaway of that was. You are not the right person for this article. Um, so there's key things that I pulled out of it so somewhere in the shadowy world that twists between the misfits and the cramps lie the undisputed tyrants of danish psychobilly the horror pops okay number one tyrants what tyrants you know what a tyrant is tyrants are like bad tyrants are like they're oppressive rulers uh there's some like horror pops are like the gatekeepers of psychobilly <laughs> right right that would be yeah the tyrants in all reality it doesn't even make sense because they're not the biggest one either. Like that would that would probably go to like the necromantics, <laughs> Danish psychobilly tyrants, whatever. Uh, as a group, the horror pops sound like a small army, and like the misfits, they fill each chorus with wordless melodies and unison replies, much like "Walk Among Us," "Astro Zombies," and "I Turned Into a Martian." Uh, small army, not really. They don't really. They got some woes, I guess, but they're not woes are just a thing and pop punk and punk in general like it's not they're not even like 
misfitsy woes on this album. No, they're not. The dark daddy-o romp cool flat top is better than anything the cramps have done in the last 10 years. And even the obligatory surf instrumental horror beach transcends the banality of the billion or so revivalists who have nearly beaten the genre out of existence. There's not that many. Uh, it's not <laughs> no, better we... than anything that the cramps did. They said in 10 years. All right. What's in the 10? Ten... What's in the 10 years that this article in 2004 was written? That the cramps had done so between 1994 and 2004 well it it's well, better than flame job came out in 94 nope. and that record's great so not that one uh big beat from badsville's in 1997 pretty well regarded friends of dope island is in 2003 and how to make a monster is in 2004 and that's archival okay so still shut up yeah, <laughs> doesn't make sense nothing on that one song in particular is supposed to be better than anything. No, it's not even the best song on this album. So shut up. Uh, and then, yeah, Horror Beach transcends the banality of a billion so revivalists. Which revivalists? The surf revivalists? Because that's a surf song. Maybe. Maybe that's what they're talking about. I don't know. I read that article and I was like, you know nothing about the genre. You only know the Misfits and the Cramps because you mentioned them both twice in the article. <laughs> yeah. I think all music does pay its writers, so that's uh, something. <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, it's too long. It's ultimately my takeaway was this is a pretty mediocre record. There's some good stuff. There's some bad stuff. And there's a lot of forgettable stuff. As an album, I think it's pretty bad. I do think there's a lot of stuff here that is surprisingly good. But nothing that I'm like that I really want to come back to. No, I don't want to come back to this album. <laughs> and like I couldn't even get through that second album. I was like, I don't want to listen to this. Uh, yeah, I don't know. This one's uh, what are you what are we going to rate it? I'm going to give it I'm going to give it a, a three. Yeah, it's a it's a three just for the surprising quality of about a third of it. Yeah. Yeah, it seems fair because there is like a couple things I like. So. Yeah, pick and choose. This is one where you just like pick and choose the couple songs you like. Don't worry about the whole thing. It's 40 minutes and you're going to be like, eh, I wish I hadn't listened to all 40 minutes. Of that. <laughs> so, all right. Uh, so uh, next week, it's going to be my turn to select. And I'm I'm taking the bullet of uh, huh, pun, uh, the bullet of uh, horror punk and slash death rock. Um I have a proposition. I haven't discussed this with you yet. This band is not technically a horror punk band. They're a hardcore band that sings about horror themes. Well, that's what horror punk is. It's just punk that sings about horror. But it's more like a metalcore band. But um, there's two there's two ways I can take this. And I haven't decided. Well, I wanted to see if you would accept this. <laughs> this is an option. Or if I should go with my second choice. So I'm thinking about the band zombie apocalypse the shy halud side project that sings exclusively about zombies um they did a split with a band called send more paramedics which is a uk like thrash core band that also sings exclusively about zombies they did a split together it's like a 22 24 minute split the reason why i'm thinking in that one is because the other zombie apocalypse stuff is like 10 to 15 minutes long so i don't think we'd be able to get that much out of one of their records is this acceptable or should I do 
Violent World, the Misfits cover album that consists entirely of hardcore bands. Oh man. If you hadn't told me what it what the other option was, <laughs> I would have just been like, Yeah, when else are we gonna talk about zombie apocalypse? <laughs> but man, the the violent world comp is such a like one of the most important pieces of Misfits media. <laughs> and I didn't want to do the Misfits because I'm like, we've we've talked about the Misfits too much. I don't really want to listen to the Misfits albums. <laughs> like, so that's why I thought Violent World. But then the zombie apocalypse thing hit me. So like, hmm, <sighs> zombie apocalypse. Uh, I'll say this zombie apocalypse is acceptable to me. If that's what where your heart leads you. I, I've got others I was leaning on and I was like, I don't actually want to do episodes on these because they're just <laughs> really only appeal to you and me. And that's it. Um, I'll tell you about those later. But well, let's let's talk numbers then. If we're talking numbers, we're going to do better on that Misfits comp covers record. Hmm. You know what? Maybe let's do the miss. We'll do violent. Let's do violent world. I think there's a lot to talk about on that compilation. <laughs> <laughs> There's and we'll I'll just like explain my thought process on the zombie apocalypse one. I'll talk about it in my almost selected section when we do that. So, all right. Next week, we're going to do Violent World, the Misfits tribute album consisting of bands like Snapcase and Pennywise and Therapy? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that I I predict that episode could very well be an all time ratings monster. <laughs> I don't know. So. <laughs> we'll see. Am I going to take the under on that? I don't know how <laughs> betting works. I don't know. I hear them say you want an over or under. I'm like, What does that mean? <laughs> over what? Under what? Uh, a bet on the over means you think both teams will combine to score more goals, points or runs. An under bet means you think that there will be less than the total listed. I don't know what that means or how to apply <laughs> that here. Uh, we're Googling over and under and we still don't get it. <laughs> Very specific. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's do Violent World. We'll talk about that one next week. So thank you everyone for listening. You can follow us on all forms of social media. We're on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, X.com, uh, threads. We're on Blue Sky. I got two Blue I got two Blue Sky invites if anybody needs them. Uh, Dylan's probably got one too. Yeah, I got at least three. I don't know. DM us. I'll, we'll shoot you one. We'll give you one. It'll still be there. <laughs> yeah, no one's going to claim it. It's and no one's going to move over there until it's open. Yeah. Like, which we're getting we're getting closer and closer to, like, Twitter, like, just absolutely not working. Yeah. Searching is turned into nothing on Twitter. So, yeah. And Elon's getting sued by, like, everybody right now. <laughs> but, yes, all of those uh, at Punk Lotto Pod. Check out Dylan's band, Major Awards, and all the social medias, as well as majorawards.bandcamp.com. And uh, go follow us. Um, I need to make this a meme. But I'll just explain it because I'm probably never going to make it. You know, the the looking out the window, smiling, and then like the sad yeah. like, looking at the wall, other side of it. All of the social media, like the Instagram, the TikTok is the sad, dark side. <laughs> or not TikTok, the Twitter, Instagram is the sad, dark side where I'm controlling it. And then the TikTok is like the smiling, looking out the window side where Josh is co- using the TikTok. I'm not doing the TikTok. <laughs> it's just like the difference in like the emotional health of the two people <laughs> running our social media. 
it is funny because like the first time I like I actually like looked at the videos that were on the TikTok, I was like, Dylan didn't make these. I can just <laughs> tell like right away. <laughs> Somebody else made these. <laughs> uh, all right, everyone. Thank you all so much. And uh, good night, go- boils and ghouls. I mean, we're really dropping the ball on like the spooky gimmick, but <laughs> we will talk to you next time. Disappear.